Hello and welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. My name's Darren and I'm here with Faith. Hi. Pastor Faith. And we will get to the sermon in just a little bit, but we wanted to make some time and space to talk about something special that we've been having on Sundays. And it's a new song that Pastor Faith, you and your husband Josh wrote, and we've shared it with our community. Tell us a little bit about it. What's the name of it? And where did it come from? Yeah, so it's called We Need You. Um, and I, I'm going to root this in 1 Corinthians 2 when Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, the, the first thing that was written for this song was the beginning of that bridge section that says, We don't need better plans. We don't need clever thoughts. We need your Spirit, O oh God. We don't want the wisdom of man. We want, we want a display of God's power, which is really what the world needs. They don't need to see a show, or even in the area of worship, they don't need to hear good music. They need to see a display of the power of God. So it came from that heart cry, and then the beginning of the song kind of sets up this space where we invite Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, we clear out all the distractions, the things that get in the way, and then just simply cry out for more of Him. And it's this this longing to be a, a space where the Spirit would rest as a community. Yeah, I love that. That's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church, exactly. knowing that the Spirit is present, like He's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate. And I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship, but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into. And, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it. And it's like people have been singing it for weeks. <laughs> and it was just such a cool thing to experience. And so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning. And we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about, just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song, We Need You, and I hope it blesses your heart. pray for my brothers and sisters uh, that you have a word for us this morning, um, that this is actually an important time. Some of us are here for the first time, and you want to bless us. You want to speak life into us, and you want us to be filled to the fullness. You want to do immeasurably more in our lives, and right now it's kind of hard to look past the next couple of hours. It's hard to look past uh, the next rent check. It's hard to look past uh, the spouse that has turned her back on us in the bed. It's hard to look past the relationships that are dismantled in our faith. It's hard to look past so many things in our lives, but we're here. We showed up despite cancer treatment, despite uh, diagnosis, despite all the stuff that weighs us down. We just, for some reason, we showed up and we pray uh, to you, God, the God who has a name, the God who has revealed himself throughout history and has come now to us. Um, first through your son, Jesus, and now has filled us with your spirit because of what you've done on the cross. We are here to simply say thank you and to receive from your word and the scriptures that is life. So we pray that you would do that today in this moment and all God's people said. Hey, my name's Darren. 
Um, I'm very happy to be back with you. I'm the lead pastor, and I've been gone the last five weeks or so. I've been studying um, for a few of those weeks and vacationing with my family and spending lots of time with my eight-month-old son and my wife. Um, And I have a few personal updates. Number one, I just turned 30 last week, so I feel very mature. No applause necessary. Um, I don't feel like a youth. I'm no longer 20-something. So that's quite, uh, I can't use that excuse anymore for any of the mistakes I make, but that's okay. Um, second thing is I did get a tattoo. That's not a fake one. I did, some of you are looking, I did get a tattoo. So yes, I did that on my 30th. Um, so that's a personal update. I've been gone. I thought you should know that. The third thing, and this is the most significant for me, um, I'm a huge fan of hip-hop and rap, as you know. And... Um, one of the things that I do, you know, to educate my son in culture and history is just try, I sing rap songs to him regularly. I try to beatbox and lay down some thick beats for him. And uh, I'm not going to do that now, but that's another time when you come over to my house, I'll demonstrate that. But uh, the other day I was on the phone walking my son. He was in an ergo. So here's my son in an ergo. And I was on the phone talking to somebody and um, a car comes by, windows down, <clears throat> Right, like beat box, it was deep bass, and my son just starts going like the, right, breaking it down. I feel like the Lord has given him the inheritance of the rounds and family. So, welcome to the garden. If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 16. On that note, um, it feels great to be back with you. I'll be sharing over the next couple of weeks, I'll be preaching the next few weeks, and then I'll have a break, and then we start a new series to interrupt our Acts series on um, on who we are as a church, and we'll come back to Acts, and then we'll start another series. Um, so I'm very excited. I spent a lot of time writing and praying and thinking about what we're going to be teaching through the next uh, next year, actually. I have ideas for the whole year till next July. Um, but also, you know, what I've been telling people about my break, more than anything else, uh, I do feel rested. I feel uh, like I've, Alex and I have been super connected. And anytime you get away, uh, uh, especially in ministry, it's so important that you're, you're, you're in love with your spouse and you, you're a good parent. And oftentimes ministry, you know, sucks the life out of you, unfortunately. But that's not the case for me. I've been blessed to kind of get away. But, you know, it's so exciting. Um, I have absolutely fallen in love with Jesus again. And more than anything today is I just hope to share my heart and I have a message. Um, but I, I absolutely believe that Jesus lives. And for those of you that have that experience, that have encountered that God, and if you really believe that, and especially if you're in ministry doing this where you get a paycheck from a church, it is so important that you find that love. And from that source, let everything else come out of it. And for me, I have been crying a lot. I have been reading the scriptures a lot. I've been worshiping like crazy. It's so exciting. I just want to be with you and talk about the Jesus that I love. So that's what I'm, I'm stoked to be back to do that today. So we're in Acts. And... We're going to be in Acts 16 today, Um, and I've been gone, but Acts is a book written by a guy named Luke. If you're new to this story, new to Christianity, Luke wrote the Gospel Luke, and Luke is, uh, the Gospel Luke is about Jesus' life, death, uh, death on a cross, it's about his resurrection, but it's about the, the ministry and message and mission of Jesus himself. And Acts is part two of that story. It's the continuation of Jesus' mission through ordinary men and women that follow Jesus. Or that became followers of Jesus. And so Acts is this great kind of narrative of, of what the early church looked like. And what it looked like to follow Jesus in the first century after Jesus ascended into heaven. And once the church is filled with the spirit, this, this thing called church, this beautiful thing called church, is unleashed into the world. And things start happening. People are being saved left and right. Healings are happening. Basically, it's people are doing what Jesus did. That's it. 
And that's what Acts is about. That's what it means to follow Jesus, actually, as a disciple, is to become like Jesus and do what he did, period. It's that simple. If you're new to the Christian faith, that's what we're going to invite you to, to be like Jesus and do what he did. And so in Acts 16, um, and I love the amens and the hallelujahs and preach it, brother. You're 30. Keep going. You look good for 30. Um, um, <laughs> I love you, Alyssa. And so Acts 16, uh, Paul, we've been introduced to, to this new character, a guy named the Apostle Paul. And um, he was once a terrorist of the church. He was killing Christians. He was also a Pharisee, part of a religious sect that, was, um, that followed the law, the Old Testament to the letter. And um, he was, he's uh, just a well-educated man that uh, because of him, um, we are here today. As far as I'm concerned, what the Apostle Paul did in planting churches around the world once he became Christian is significant. But also, um, we're reading about his story in the book of Acts. And so what we've noticed from him over the last few chapters is that he would go places, preach the gospel, plant these churches, and he would immediately face opposition. Last week we looked at it. It's totally normal for Paul to be stoned to death and then for whatever reason get up and then go back to the city that stoned him and preach the gospel. And when he reports what's going on, he doesn't talk about the suffering he's going through. He doesn't talk about the miraculous things, cities turning upside down, people being healed, all the amazing signs and wonders that accompanied him. He talks about Gentiles receiving The Lord Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. The gospel is being received. And so we pick up in um, what's happened so far. What we're missing is uh, there's a great story of what happens when the church comes together. They're hearing stories of these Gentiles, these non-Jewish people receiving the Holy Spirit and accepting Jesus. And the debate during the first century was, do do they convert to Judaism first? And then go to Christianity. Do they have to, or do, do, do they become Christian and have to practice all of the laws and regulations that we, we know that God gave the Israelites? Or do we let them go in freedom because what Jesus did on the cross and just live their lives as followers of Jesus now without the law? This is it in a nutshell. And guess what they decided? Thank God. Thank God. That actually, Jesus does away with that. He fulfills the law. And our our right standing with God is not based on what we can do, not based on works or laws or rules. It's based on grace and faith. Is that good news? That's good news. So we pick up, Paul sent out, he's got a new traveling companion, a guy named Silas. We're in verse uh, 16. Paul has a vision in the night about going to Macedonia. Listen listen to this. For those of you that want want to interpret dreams and visions, look at how cool this is. Uh, This is just a side note. Come over to Macedonia and help us was what Paul saw in his mind in a vision. And guess what Paul does the next day? Goes to Macedonia. Oh, oh, that wasn't as funny to you. So sometimes we're given very clear pictures and, and impressions in our hearts and minds to do something. And guess how easy it is to, be obey, to obey that? We just do it. But what we want to do is call up our friends, tell them we had this crazy dream, get their interpretation, figure it out. But we know deep down inside, we already know what we have to do. Just go over to Macedonia and do what you've already been doing. Amen? That's for one person here, I bet. So verse 16. Once when we were going to the place, now Luke is with him, of prayer, there in Philippi, we were were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Okay. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. How great is that? 
this crazy woman who tells the future is advocating for Paul, Silas, and the team saying, they're going to tell you what's up. That's kind of like she, you know, reads palms. She's like, these, these people are legit. Um, she kept telling, doing this for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. So it wasn't like, oh, God wants me to liberate this soul. It was, gosh, she's annoying the heck out of us. You've had, you have those people's in your, people in your life, and you, you wish there was a spirit you can kind of kick out, but um, they're called mother-in-laws. But anyways, um, just kidding. Oh, gosh. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command the spirit of mother-in-law. No, uh, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left. And I love this story. Look at this story. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. When they realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. If you follow, we're going to look at Ephesus and Paul does the same thing in Ephesus. And usually there's an uproar because it touches what people value the most, their money. Messes with their economic status. These, uh, by advocating customs unlawful for the Romans to accept our practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods after they had been severely flogged. Okay, you've seen the passion. You know what flogging looks like. It's the thing that Jesus gets done to him right before the cross. We're talking about significant beating. They are thrown into prison. The jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here's the story. Paul casts out a demon or frees this woman from the spirit that was allowing her to tell the future. The people, her owners, she was a slave. They're upset about it. They throw him before um, the, the leaders of the town in Philippi. And, and they're, they're really upset. The crowds join in. Paul gets beaten. He gets beaten with rods, stripped of his clothes naked. He gets flogged. He gets put in the inner cell. And his feet are fastened with stocks, meaning his feet are, are up off the ground. So he's stuck and he can't do anything. And you could say that the story in Acts 16 are two guys doing the right things and find themselves in the wrong place. Have you ever done that? Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself doing the right things over and over again, but you find yourself in the wrong circumstance, problematic circumstances, problems, your position, all of a sudden you're questioning what you were doing. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just a common story that we're all into. It's like you begin to justify, but I've been doing all these things right, God. Why do I have to suffer this type of abuse or circumstance? And the truth is, if you follow Jesus long enough, you'll recognize that um, it's not if suffering is going to come or when the wrong circumstances come. It's when they come. How will you respond? And this morning, I want to talk about the power of praise. I want to suggest that praise has the power to change your circumstance. Praise has the power to change your position in life. Because it has the power to change your perspective. So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, and I, I just want, I want to look at one verse before we do this. Because uh, I think what we recognize in the stories, what's going to happen is that Paul and Silas are going to suffer in ways that are consistent with their faith. Not consistent with their fear. 
They're going to suffer in ways that are consistent with the God they serve, not the circumstances they find themselves in. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) 25. So all this happens to them. They're in the wrong place. And it says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs or hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. This is what I love. Luke is very intentional with every detail he, he gives us. And he says, about midnight. Why? Why midnight? When, is, when are your circumstances the worst? Is it not the middle of the night? Do you, do you wake up with anxiety that you, had, you carried from the day in the middle of the night? It causes you to not sleep? Now just imagine the circumstances that Paul and Silas find themselves in. They, they're following God to Macedonia. And their first stop is beaten with rods. You've got to be questioning this vision from God. They're beaten. They're stripped naked. They're doing all this good. They're finding, their, they're finding themselves in this cell, in this prison. They're supposed to preach the gospel to the nations, and they're stuck in prison. They're licking their wounds. They haven't been healed. They can't sleep because they're in stocks. So what else are they going to do? Only the thing that they know what to do. The only thing they've learned to do. Are they going to say, oh, God, I, I, I don't trust my calling. You know, obviously I didn't hear you right, and all oh, these wounds hurt so much. I don't know, maybe they were saying that, but what Luke records is when it was the worst, when they couldn't take it any longer, they, they sang songs to God. They learned to praise through their problems. They learned to praise through their sufferings. They learned to praise when circumstances weren't going for them. They didn't necessarily feel like it. Does it feel good to sit on your back with your legs stuck and your back bleeding and your face all bruised? Does it feel good to not be able to sleep, to sleep that off? Does it feel good to, to if your, horse is, uh, your, your voice is, is raspy and hoarse from being beaten and trying to argue your case? Does it feel good to sing out loud to God in the middle of the, middle of the inner cell? I don't think their feelings shaped their decision to praise. But we live in a world where it's all about you and your feelings. It's all about me and my, my choice and genre of worship. A little loud on that electric this morning. I can't put my hand up. I got my coffee right here. Or whatever it is for you. I don't know what it is for you in the moment this morning. But it seems like that this story is helping us understand what it looks like for us in the midst of circumstances. In the midst of life crashing in on us. How we can respond to the things that are coming in our life. I want you to think about this for a moment. When things get really hard, how do you respond? When things aren't going your way, what is it that you do? I want you to think deeply for a moment. When life is crashing in on you from every side, how do you act to the person you love most? When you're stressed and and you lost your job and you don't know how you're going to pay your mortgage or your rent or when when your your spouse you and your spouse are fighting and having differences when you're uncertain about the the tires that you need to buy for your car because they're they're running low and you need to get an oil change and you haven't worked for a couple of weeks and you're worried about whether or not those things are going to be taken care of and your 6 month old isn't sleeping through the night and you're not as intimate with your wife how do you respond when those circumstances come crashing in or better yet what happens when there is a diagnosis and a treatment that's going to change the way your body looks. How is it that you respond to those problems? What are the tools that you have in your back pocket that remind you of what's true? 
Praise has the power to change your circumstance because it has the power to change your perspective. In, um, in November, I, I had a, my son was born. And I told this story a while ago, but I want to share this story from, from how this relates to me. In, in January, my son got really sick. He was sick for a while. And um, our, our doctor kept saying that we, he was okay, but he kept getting progressively worse. And finally, we had to go to the hospital because he wasn't breathing. And he was turning blue and choking, and he was six weeks old. Uh, it's, I mean, it's like wet paint. I'm still figuring out what this thing is, you know? And it's like, so here he is, and we go to the hospital, and I have no idea how serious this was. Where they check him in, and we spend four days in the hospital. And, and I remember being absolutely terrified. We're in this wing where it, it's contamination, and it's like quarantined off, and the doctors changed their clothes every time they came in and out. No one was allowed in and out. Um, we were absolutely scared. They started using words like brain damage, um, like if this uh, continues, it's going to affect his health condition for the rest of his life. Um, and all of a sudden, the questions become all about fear. Have you ever been surrounded by fear? Where fear begins to give you all sorts of possibilities. Where all of a sudden the way that you see the world is surrounded in fear and the possibilities are the worst case scenarios. Versus a person of faith who sees faith with possibilities. Faith creates all sorts of possibilities for the person that stands in the reality that there's a God who can move. So my, my life was surrounded in fear. My six-week-old child is struggling to breathe. His oxygen saturation level is low. I'm terrified of what's going to happen. My mind is going crazy. And so it starts with questions, and I'm surrounded in fear. And then it, for me, it moved from fear and questions to uh, frustration and anger to God. Where are you? I pray for people that are sick all the time. I've seen you heal people of horrible things. Where are you in the midst of this crisis? And it goes from questions about where you are to me justifying. I'm doing all these things right. How many of you do this? Oh, come on. Look at what I've done for you. Look how awesome I am. (laughs) It doesn't go very far. (laughs) Uh, especially when my wife's right there. She's like, really, dude? That's what you're going to say? Really? <laughs> and some of you are saying, but Darren, I'm a realist. I was telling my wife about this, what I was going to share. She's like, share the story of us. And, and how she, my wife would say she, her perspective is so rooted often in fear. When, when, when we're not sure how we're going to pay something, it's you've got to go get another job. You, I, what are we going to do? It's crisis mode. And I'm like, dude, God's got to show up. So it goes from that fear to, to the questions, to the justification, and then it gets to desperation. Jesus, heal my boy, heal my boy. Jesus, you've got to show up. This is the worst case scenario. I'm, I'm in it. I'm not sleeping three days overnight in a hospital, you know, eating hospital food, terrified, counting the breaths, my, and checking the, the monitor to make sure he's getting enough oxygen. It's Jesus, do something to the point where I can't say anything else. All I can do in that moment. It finally got to the right place. All I could do was worship. I couldn't even pray. I was so desperate. I had to put on a CD. I had to put on iPhones in my head. Or in my, in my head. <laughs> iPhone went into my head. It's, it's coming out this fall. Um, so cool. <laughs> put some here. I just worshiped. Why? Because I needed to re- be reminded of who God is and was. So that I could be reminded of who I am and how I can respond in crisis 
with faith that overcomes fear. Are you with me? Paul and Silas teach us that when it's the worst time, it's not that they want to do it. It's not that they feel like it. It's that they need to sing and pray because that's what you do when things get tough and hard. What do you do in those moments? And can we speculate for just a moment? What do you think Paul and Silas were singing about? Oh, thank you, God, that this cell is so big. Thank you, God, that, you know, our, our, our car, you know, we got that awesome car, Lord, and we got this three-bedroom house, and you bless me with that, that we, our kids are in private school. Thank you, God. Yeah, we can start there. If that's where you want to start, that will show what you value. God, thank you that you saved us. Thank you that you show grace to me. Thank you that I get to suffer on your behalf for the gospel. Thank you that you died on the cross and you saved me from persecuting the church to be someone that's persecuted for the church. Do you think the content of his worship was him-focused or God-focused? Amen. So when we read the story of the circumstance and Paul's response to the circumstance, it's about praise because praise lifts our heads up to what is ultimately true. And, you know, if you can move most of us, we we can't see past the rock face. And if we could see God in the midst, you know, when we're praying, God, where are you? Only to draw near to God and worship and see that he's he's drawing near to us. He's with us the whole time. Perspective is everything. It has the capacity and the power to change your circumstances. And look at what happens when Paul does this. I love this story because it's so profound. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chain came loose. Corporate worship has innocent bystanders. They, they don't want to be freed. Wait, what, what happened? My chains are gone. Because some guy over here in this other cell is singing songs. How cool is that? Praise is missional, you could say. Huh? <laughs> Praise is missional. <laughs> uh, I'm having fun this morning. I hope you guys are. The, the, okay, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped, Paul's enemy. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. Paul turns his love for the one that kept him in prison. Praise has the power to transform your enemies to become friends. And then look at what it does to the enemy. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He, wanted, he, uh, he, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. You and your household. He's got the audacity to include those that he's connected to. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Circumstances changed a little bit, wouldn't you agree? Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. How amazing is the story. In prison, worse circumstances, chains fall off, doors open, the jailer's now a friend who's cleaning your wounds, his whole household is baptized. But the story doesn't end there. 
This is where it's just like, gosh, you got to love that Luke was with them. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. So he's being released. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. You can now leave. Go in peace. And then Paul says to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us in the prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out of here. Come on. These guys beat you up and put you in prison. God did something. When they were in prison, you could say that they had faith to shake the foundations of the prison. When problems come, does your faith get shaked? Does it get shook? Or does your faith shake the problems? That's a little cheesy, but I'm going to throw that in there. Alex is like, don't use that one. I'm like, I'm going to use it. Oh, gosh, this is so good. The officers reported this to the magistrates. And when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave their city. Paul's like, nope. Paul and Silas came out of prison. They went back to Lydia's house, which is in Philippi, that city, where they encouraged their brothers and sisters and encouraged them all. And then they left on my time, actually, because I worship a God who shakes the prison. I worship a God who takes these chains off, and your jailer's now with me. So what's up? (laughs) What do you do when problems come? How do you respond? Will you praise and pray, or will you find yourself in doubt and fear with possibilities of what if, or possibilities pointed to God about what if? A couple of thoughts. I believe that... Um, God gives us the power to transform our problems through praise. And it is something that we can develop in our life. That a life of praise and worship is so fundamental to what it means to be a Christian. So here are a couple of thoughts. If you want to take notes, hopefully you're taking notes today. There are some great one-liners you can write down about faith and foundation stuff. Uh, Here's one. First of all, praise has to become a priority. In your life, if you want to develop this type of discipleship life, a life that can that can literally change the circumstances that you have the power to change the problems you face because you have the power to change your perspective. If you want that praise has to be a priority, meaning it's a discipline and a choice. It's a posture in life. It's not based on how you feel or how good they sound on stage or, you know, if they came out with a new album. It's about your decision, despite your feelings, to point your life to God and say, you are. You with me? Praise has got to become a priority in our lives. And for so many of us, how we feel in the moment determines that or or all the other things we value. So I say, give God at least the first 15 minutes of your day. At least, and for me, I, I've boiled it down to something very simple because I know we have some moms that are super busy and they have these kids that are waking up. But 15 minutes, try this. Put on one worship song and sing out loud. Start the day, not with a cup of coffee, especially if you do pour over. Hold off on that process. Some of you, I saw the nudge over here, like, what's good? Pour over. Um, turn on a worship song and sing that song to God. Preferably facsimile that Pete has uh, given us. So you can buy those outside. No, put it on a worship song. Then take five minutes and read, a, read one chapter of the Bible. Worship, sing, praise. Then read, a, read five minutes in the Bible and then five minutes of prayer. That's it. First 15. Can we do it? 
That's a basic discipline of setting your heart in the right direction. The second thing, praise, I just want to point this out. It recalibrates your soul. I, I used to get pain right here in this part of my hand. It's, it was like in my fingertips and right here. And I went to the doctor and he wants to give me medication. I'm like, I go to the chiropractor. And he's like, oh, your neck up here is out of line. You need to just be popped. And he pops my back and all of a sudden my hand is not hurting. Notice that it, it, the, the source of it, it recal- worship recalibrates you to the source of life. You with me? So that's why we got to uh, posture this. The second thing is, um, and these aren't helpful because it's one paragraph. Praise God because he's already done more. You want to start developing a life of, prayer, of praise? Don't, don't start with, God, thank you so much for this awesome car, this great ride, this amazing sushi feast. Lord, we're so blessed by you. You have enough in the reserves. He died on the cross for you. Right? You don't have to pray. If, if you don't have sushi and you're, you're wanting all this stuff, you can praise God for what he's already done. And the last thing is you can praise God for what he's going to do because he's going to do more than you can even imagine. Ephesians 3.20 says immeasurably more than you can imagine in your life. So we praise God. He recalibrates our soul. It's like a spiritual chiropractic praise is readjusting us to align ourselves right with God. Are you with me? Can we do that this morning? Let's continue our praise. That's all I wanted to share with you. Uh, can we give it up for Pete? That was a beautiful demonstration. Thank you. Cool. Let's get the band back up here. Can I invite you to stand with me? We're going to sing a couple more songs. And I know some of us are new to church and it's like 1030 and we're itching to get out of here. But let me just say this. This is where we jump in. This is where we participate. We've, a, we've a intentionally designed this to respond to the message, but also to, to respond to God and encounter Him. So some of you are, are new to people coming forward and getting prayer for things. And every morning, every Sunday, we try to create space to encounter God for people to encounter Him in very tangible ways. And so we, sometimes we have specific words for people to come down. But um, I just want to give us a moment just to, to readjust. So if you want to just close your eyes. Take a moment to reflect on where you are and where God is in your life and what God is speaking to you about this morning. And just if, if you're feeling comfortable, you can hold your hands out like this. This is a posture of surrender. Some of you would feel more comfortable like this. This is the international posture of surrender. Someone comes up behind you and points a gun to you. What do you go like that. So this is a little less intimidating. Just close your eyes for a moment. I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus Christ, we just pray that you administer. Thank you for the great stories that we find in Scripture that reveal to us ways of living like you. Thank you for the models of faith that have gone before us. Guys like Paul who um, helped us and help us see how we ought to live when it's not how we feel like living often. Thank you for an amazing volunteer worship team that can lead us. And I just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to us this morning. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.